Oh no, we have so much more to say. Amen. Amen. Speak it, sister. He is the key to knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the fountain of joy. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway to righteousness. He is the gateway of glory. (laughs) And do you know him? Do you know him? And do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? The words that you have just heard and many of the words you will hear next. They come from Reverend S.M. Lockridge's 1976 sermon entitled, That's My King. But for those of us who are followers of Christ, those words are as true today as they were spoken in 1976. And if you would ask any of, of these ladies that are on this stage, if we are followers of Christ, we would tell you, yes, we are. He is our king. And if you would ask us why we follow him, we would tell you that even when our parents forsake us, Jesus never will. When the one that loves you the most hurts you deeply, Jesus heals that wound. When you have backslid and you've been a hypocrite, Jesus will forgive you and he will open his arms and eagerly welcome you back home. When you are confused, that's all right now, go on now. If you are confused and you are scared, he will remind you. He will remind you that you have, he has a plan and a purpose for you indeed. If you are just a flat, hot mess, Jesus, our king, will do a makeover and you will be a new creation. If you are faced with change and challenge, our king is constant and he is an anchor. Our king is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he is the same tomorrow. His love is limitless. I'm here to tell you, his life was matchless. His goodness amazing. His mercy everlasting. And thank you God, his love never changes. His word is sufficient. His word is enough actually. His word is enough and sufficient. His grace is sufficient in all things. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I'm just asking you, church. I'm just trying to get you to know. That's our king. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Jesus God. Do you know him? Do you know him? Our king is so faithful that he will die to keep his promise to you. 
Our king is so truthful that his words he speaks will bring freedom to anyone who listens to him. Our king is so powerful that he washes the feet of his servants and they still call him master. Our king is so joyful that he endured the cross knowing what was on the other side. Our king is so so peaceful that he can sleep in the midst of the storm and the chaos. I am here to tell you that he is irresistible. He is invincible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him out of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. I'm here to tell you that he he was hated. He was hated by the Pharisees. They couldn't stand him, but they found they could not stop him. Oh, Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod could not kill him. Death could not hold him. And can we speak it? The grave couldn't hold on to him because that's that is our my king. That is our king. God, church, I hope and I pray that he is your king. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know our king, the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is the king. And uh, in John chapter 12, we look to Jesus, the king. Uh, Man. John chapter 12 begins with Mary kneeling before Jesus. And doing the outrageous. Mary, in an act of extravagant love and worship, anoints her king with oil. Later in John chapter 12, we see that the crowds gather to welcome Jesus, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Later we hear Jesus teaching his followers, telling them that whoever desires to serve him will follow him. But following Jesus the way he's talking about is not a lot of fun. At the end of John 12, we hear Jesus making an appeal to all who would listen telling them that the light is right now in front of them, but there will be a day when the light is not right now in front of them, and they don't want to be caught with the darkness creeping in and not having the light in themselves. Really, he was saying, don't wait too long to follow the king. And all of these Stories and snippets and and uh, uh, teachings of Jesus. What we find 
is real simple. That when we follow Jesus, we're really following the king. And, and it's not just any king. It's the king who gives life to those who are dead. You see, John 11 flows out of, I mean, John 12 flows out of John chapter 11. John chapter 11, Jesus uh, called Lazarus. He stood on the precipice of, of death itself and he looked deep into the abyss and he sent Satan sprawling and he cried out to his friend, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus, with that word, shook the chains of death itself, shook the foundations of the universe itself because he was undoing what was normally already done. The dead don't normally come to life, but at the word of the king, the dead live again. And so now in John chapter 12, Begin with verse 1 and just, just read along with me here these first few verses of John 12. In John chapter 12, begin verse 1, says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, Lazarus who had been dead, Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And there they made Jesus a supper and Martha served the supper, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I'd just stop here and I, I, we don't have time to, to dig so deeply in the passage, but can I just tell you that all of chapter 12 is about how you and I should follow the king. And, and here's what I would say. Following the king means that you don't give half measures. I'm, I'm concerned. I, I'm concerned about my own walk with Jesus. I'm concerned about your walk with Jesus, my children's walk with Jesus. Why am I concerned? Because we live in a culture that demands half measures when it comes to serving Jesus the king. We give him half our attention at best. Some of us can't even last 20 minutes in a gathering like this, focusing on Jesus, King Jesus. We throw up all these, these superficial roadblocks as to why we can't follow him. Well, it, you know, I can't follow him today because that means I might offend Billy Bob over here. <coughs> I can't follow him in this way because that, that means that it might hurt uh, somebody else's feelings. Or, or uh, I can't follow him that way because it means I've got to give some, something up that I want to hold on to. We throw up all these superficial roadblocks as to why we can't follow Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus the King. And really all we're saying is he's not worth my absolute 100% whole hog devotion. And that concerns me. It concerns me for me. It concerns me for you. It concerns me for us. See, Jesus is the king. And as the king of the universe, the one who calls life out of the jaws of death, the one who would go to a cross and die for sinners like you and me so that we might live 
through faith in him who would be raised from the dead himself so that we might not only live a forgiven life, but a brand new life, a brand new beginning, a brand new start, all embraced by Jesus. Jesus, the one who brings us into immediate intimacy with God, the father, the one who pours his spirit within us so that we can live with spiritual, supernatural, divine power every day. This King Jesus, who has given everything for us, and we look at him and say, well, I really don't want to do that, what you want today. It concerns me about me and about you and about us. You see, when we talk about following Jesus, if we say we're disciples of Jesus, we're saying we're disciples of the King. And that means that as disciples of the King, as followers of King Jesus, we have to be audacious. I I think Mary was audacious. She spent a fortune. Dave Ramsey would have ridiculed her. I'm not joking. She spent her dowry, probably, all of her savings, what, whatever she could get her hands on. She spent a fortune on a bottle of perfume so she could spill it on Jesus because she was audacious in her adoration. When was the last time you were audacious in your adoration of Jesus the King. I'm not talking about humdrum status quo. I'm talking about audacious in your adoration of Jesus. When was the last time you audaciously adored King Jesus? When we gather in here, I know, I know Y'all think, my goodness gracious, it, it, you know, it, this, we've set it up so that y- y'all are supposed to sit and listen or unless you stand and sing. Or, 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 and, or, but other than that, you're supposed to be quiet. I pray every day for somebody just to interrupt me with some audacity and adoration of Jesus. Look, we need to stop playing it safe. If we can't do it in here, how in the world are we going to do it out there? We need to stop pretending like we're cool. And you don't have to be young to try to be pretending like you're cool. Uh, Some of y'all have been pretending like you're cool because you don't want anybody to think that you're undignified or excitable when it comes to Jesus. You sit there with a stone face that reflects perhaps a stony heart and God is crying out, didn't I save you from your sin? Didn't I chase away the, the darkness and the demons of the devil from you? Did I not give you new life and you repay me with humdrum You give more audacity to a football score than you do Jesus, King Jesus. We sit around and we play these churchy, churchy, silly, silly, churchy, churchy games. We just want to be respectable. No! We want to be audacious in our adoration of King Jesus.
I get worried sometimes because I feel like I'm hogging all the audacity when we get together. And I want to share it with you. Look, Mary teaches us one simple lesson that we need to be audacious in our adoration. And I'm not going to tell you how to be audacious. I know y'all's personality may be different than my personality. We can hope so. <laughs> but God knows if you're being audacious. When we're audaciously adoring Jesus, that means that, that we're not worried about what Bill or Bob or Sue or, or, or Suzanne has to say about us. All we want to do is let Jesus know, I love you. It's time to break the bank and break the seal. You see, when you break the bank, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be audacious to show Jesus I, I'm, I love you. But then, when you break the seal, you're seizing the time, seizing the moment. Once Mary broke the seal of that perfume, it, was, it had better be used right then because it was useless afterwards. You, you couldn't reseal it. It was done. And she poured it all out on Jesus. She seized the moment. We need to seize some moments here. Not everybody's going to like it. Some of your best friends may ridicule you over it. But you don't live for your best friends anyway, do you? It's time to audaciously adore Jesus. And when we audaciously adore Jesus, that leads us to courageously praise Jesus. We must courageously praise him. Now, now uh, the, the crowd that was following Jesus, many of them had heard that Jesus had raised the dead. They recognized that there was something special about this man, that he was the king. So uh, in, it, Jesus starts making his way into Jerusalem for the feast. And, and as he's making his way into Jerusalem for the feast, uh, you, you see the scene. The, the, there are crowds of people and they line the street with palm fronds and, and they begin to cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Oh, they, they were courageous in their praise. As you look down in chapter 12, you, you see that there, there were people who, who were gunning for Jesus. And when I mean gunning for Jesus, I mean old-time gunning for Jesus. They actually, they were going to kill him. They were wanting to destroy him. They were looking for ways to, to put him out of commission, to take him out, to, 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 to uh, end his life. And, and anybody associated with Jesus was seen as an enemy to these religious leaders, the mafioso of the church at that time and, 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 and yet the crowd said it's more important for us to praise Jesus who is the king than it is to worry about the mafioso coming after us we're going to line the streets and we're going to declare Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord the king of Israel they courageously praised Jesus what about you? Do you courageously praise Jesus? Do you courageously praise Him? Or are 
we so concerned about what others think about our praise that, that they're going to think that we're out of tune or out of step or maybe a little bit fanatical. Listen, we don't have nearly enough fanatics for Jesus. I'm not talking about a moral code of conduct. I'm just talking about an absolute, unmitigated, whole hog devotion to the king. And you're going to praise him here in the church. You're going to praise him out there on the streets. You're going to praise him when you're at home. You're going to praise him when you're at work. You're going to praise him louder at the football field than you do praising your football team. That goes for Ohio State fans, too. I would say Alabama fans, but we're just trying to evangelize them. Hey, listen. We need, we need a touch of heaven in our everyday life. And the way that touch of heaven comes to us every day is when we are courageous about our praise. And it's not just declare Hosanna can I just talk about Hosanna just for a second Hosanna was a word that that could have been a greeting like oh man Hosanna I know God is on you oh Hosanna I hope God blesses you Hosanna man I think that you're a wonderful cat daddy Hosanna it could have been a greeting and and in Jesus day that's what it, it for many it was it was a greeting but in this context, in this way, Hosanna was not a, merely a greeting. You see, the Feast of the Tabernacles leading up to the Feast of the Passover, uh, uh, Hosanna was a picture of, of a deep, earnest cry of God's people learn, yearning for deliverance from, from their everyday humdrum li- life, crying out to the Lord God Almighty to provide rain for their crops and escape from their enemies. It was a cry of... For God to rescue. And friends, when God, when the people lined the streets and said, Hosanna to Jesus, they were saying, praise God. Here's our deliverer come our way. He is our only hope to escape the, the chains of our sin and the chains of our oppression. Here is our deliverer. Today, you and I, we need to stop pretending like we can handle life on our own. We need to stop acting like we don't need anybody but ourselves and our own mind our own two hands our own bank account and our own friends we need to start with on bent knee crying out to jesus saying jesus you are my deliverer will you save me today the posture and the prayer that sets the trajectory for victory every day is lord help me and will you Be courageous in your praise, courageous enough to acknowledge that you can't make it on your own, that you can't do it by yourself, that you are desperate in your need for Jesus every day. And that courageous praise and that audacious adoration leads to sacrificial service. You see, if we're going to follow Jesus, follow the King, we must sacrificially serve Him. Um, We live in a military town. I didn't know if you knew that. (laughs) Military town, you you who have served in the military, we, we, we herald your sacrifice, do we not? And we, we celebrate your sacrifice, the prices that you pay. 
the places you go, the, the time spent away from family and friends, the time spent on the front lines in dangerous places doing dangerous things, all for the safety and the defense of our nation. We live in a military town and we understand sacrificial service, do we not? We are without excuse, therefore, when it comes to sacrificially serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We understand sacrificial service. We celebrate it when individuals do it. But do we celebrate it when we do it for the King? You see, I hope this next statement isn't controversial. It shouldn't be. But it's far more important for an individual to sacrificially serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords than it is for an individual to sacrificially serve an earthbound kingdom. And I, I, I hope that's not controversial. It shouldn't be. It's not denigrating any of our military. But it's saying that we are not citizens of this earth primarily. We are pilgrims passing through, and our citizenship is in heaven. And how we serve King Jesus here on this earth matters. And Jesus calls us to be sacrificial. If I could just break down just a few verses. I know we've skipped through this and really have not taken all the time that I wanted. But um, since Jason took so much time last week, I thought I'd give you all a break. I listened to the sermon. It was, a good, it, it was a good sermon. It was about six of them, but it was a good sermon. <laughs> I joked with him about it, too. He had, it was a good message. He had a lot to cover, he had a lot, and he covered it all. Um, I've done it, too. There's no, there's no shame in that. All right. John chapter 12. Just look at verses 23 and following. It says, Jesus answered and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He's talking about the manner of his own death. Uh, he's going to be glorified. And what that means is, first, he's going to die on a cross for sinners. Later on, he says, if the Son of Man be, be lifted up, he draws all men to himself. He's, he's going to be killed on a cross in the place of sinners, in place of you and me as sinners. But he's going to die so that he might bear much fruit, so that, so that the Spirit of God might be poured out on all who believed on Jesus, so that the kingdom of God might be advanced, so that God's grace might run rampant through the souls of men and women, boys and girls. And by this, Jesus is glorified. Okay, that, He's talking about his own sacrifice. But then... Things change a little bit in verse 25. He says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Can I tell you what this, uh, if anyone serves me? First, he says, if, if you're going to keep your life, you better lose your life. You better be sacrificial in service to Jesus because you, you, the only hope you have is to give all of your life to him. Paul said it differently. He said, um, he, he said um, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave, his, gave himself for me. It, 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 it's, it's, I, I no longer live for myself, but I live for him who died for me and rose again. 
right? And, and that's, that's really what Jesus is talking about. But, but then in verse, in verse 20, 26, he says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And, and all of us who are followers of Christ, who have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, we know that we're supposed to serve Jesus. So, so we've been talking about following Jesus, but here he's talking about a specific kind of following. He's saying, follow me into suffering. He's talking about you picking up your cross every day and following after him. Where, where I am, Jesus said, there my servant will be also. Jesus said, if I'm going to die on a cross, that means that you're going to live a cross-influenced life. A life of sacrifice. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And that's the greatest joy. The greatest joy is the Father's honor, not, not the pleasure of people around us. And can I just say that the reason we don't serve sacrificially, and I, I think this is more of a truism, it's not really a, it's more a common sense truism, not really a, a spiritual truth, although it, it is true spiritually as well. Uh, we, don't, we don't serve sacrificially because we don't want to hurt. We don't serve sacrificially because we have a higher priority on our own pleasure or the pleasure of a few people around us. That's why we don't serve sacrificially. And I understand that. I mean, I, I get that. I'm just saying it's unacceptable as a follower of Jesus Christ the King. Jesus deserves more than half measures. That means you and I have to give up stuff to serve him. You might say, well, what stuff is that? I don't know. I'm not King Jesus. But as a follower of King Jesus, he sure has revealed it to you if indeed you are his. You know, he, he doesn't play patty cake. He doesn't keep things secret. If he wants you to give something up, he's going to tell you. The question is, will you serve King Jesus? Will you serve him sacrificially? I, I know, I know that, that serving Jesus, we like to make it, serving Jesus on our terms. You know, what I mean by that is, um, for instance, Edie, my wife, uh, she likes for me to, I, I mean, we're married, so we serve each other. And, and I many times serve her in a way that I want to serve her. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't understand why she's not all fired up and happy about how I've served her. Well, it's because I've served her the way I want to serve her. I mean, she wants me to mop the kitchen and vacuum the stairs. I want to serve her in other ways. <laughs> and I don't understand why she doesn't, doesn't she know my love? Well, sure, she knows how much I love her. She just knows that I would love her more if I served her in a way that met her desires. I, that's marriage 101, by the way, and if you haven't figured that one out, duh, <laughs> right? So, I mean, we, I need to figure out, I mean, I need to vacuum the stairs. I'm not going to, she's going to come to the 11 o'clock service day. I'm not talking about this at 11 o'clock, by the way. <laughs> Here's what we do with God. We do the same thing with Jesus. We say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you the way I want to. We don't understand why he doesn't get all fired up and jazzed up because, well, he never asked us to do A, B, or C. He asked us to do 
D, E, and F. And, and truth is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what, how he wants you to serve, but we do these great exchanges. I don't want to do what he wants me to do because it's too painful, so I'm going to do something just as, as I see it, just as spiritual over here. The king deserves better than that from you and from me. You know, it all comes down to the appeal at the end of the chapter. In verse 46, Jesus said, I've come as light into the world so that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now, you come here today and, and you're a follower of Jesus, and, and yet the question is not are you following Jesus. The question is are you audaciously adoring him? Are you courageously praising him? Are you sacrificially serving him? Being a follower of Jesus is not a title we carry, it's a life we live. And Jesus came so that, so that we might not live in darkness, but that we might dwell in light, so that so we might be recipients of this wonderful uh, unveiling of God's passionate desire for us, his love and his grace and his mercy. And really, when it comes down to it, the reason so many of us as followers of Jesus fail to experience an it-is-well kind of life is because we are serving King Jesus in half measure. I want you to hear that. The reason so many of us fail to experience an it-is-well life is because we refuse to audaciously, courageously, and sacrificially follow Jesus as our King. My hope for us today is that all that changes. Would you bow your heads, please? In these moments, I just invite you to hear from King Jesus. What is, what is it in your life that's keeping you from being audacious in your adoration? How can you be more audacious in these next few moments? What's keeping you from being courageous in your praise or what's keeping you from being sacrificial in your service? Today is the day for that to be a question on your heart and a transformation in your life. Jesus wants to saturate your soul with the unveiling of God's great truth and love every day. But for that to happen, you have to worship the King on his terms, not your own. So in these next few moments, as we uh, reflect and respond to what God has revealed to us, I'm, I'm going to invite you. There are going to be uh, pastors and ministers up here at the front. You can come talk to us, and we'd love to pray with you. Or maybe God is leading you to come to this altar and, and, and pray, and, and maybe that's as audacious as you've been in 20 years, but that's the audacity that he's calling you to. Maybe it means you just need to stand and praise the Lord in a way that you haven't before. 
Or maybe it means you just need to sit and let God show you how to serve Him in a sacrificial way. In these next few moments, my prayer for you is that you would taste an it-is-well kind of life because you have given yourself audaciously, courageously, and sacrificially to follow Jesus the King. Now, Father, have your way with us in this place. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.